You're listening to The Outer Timers, and now here are your hosts, Chief and Ben. Merlin's Beard, it's The Outer Timers, episode 13. I'm your host, it's Ben. I'm hoping Chief's out there, big bad Chief. Are you receiving my signal? 13, unlucky for some, not for us. Every number's good for the outer timers. I am here, my friend. Mate, how have you been? Yes, not bad, not bad. I'll tell you what, busy is what I've been. You've been busy? What, with actual sort of paying work or well, just life? Well, I say, I say, well, you say paying work. Yes, in, in fact, paying work has been busy. And I'll tell you what it's been doing. It's been getting a ball ache because it's getting in the way of me podcasting since we floated the idea of the outer timers network and by the time this lands you will have heard at least one episode of the three stooges wrestling show we got and probably four episodes of our clone wars rewatch so yeah i just listened to that that um, wrestling show it was great i've never seen that fight before okay no what was, was the year the, on the, that fight the rock mankind 1999 i quit match but uh, right actually yeah. era that's it. I'm editing these, first time editing, so I hope I'm doing an okay job. But, man, that's time-consuming. I'll tell you what else is time-consuming. Sticking out all the social media stuff as well. So that is clogging Mate, up a lot of my day. Full, this is a full-time gig for some people. That's it. We've got to start getting that Patreon out, you know? <laughs> well, yeah. That's when you really find out who your listeners are. <laughs> I'm sure we well, get you... some people buying a hacker-reported T-shirt. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, I was interested when I was listening to that WWF pod and I was thinking it sounded very bloodthirsty to me and I was like is that specific to that era yeah because I think I, think I dipped out before it got like that and it's not like that now is it a lot changed and again I'm no expert I, I was a casual you can't have viewer. teens kids watching that can you well a, a lot of it changed when they changed tv networks and the tv network said you now have to be a pg product so that meant Tone no down, juicing. Vince. No juicing, so that means no blood. If there was a hard way cut, and that means if someone hadn't bladed themselves, if they'd actually been thrown oh. into a ring post or had had been cut open hard way by not intentionally, then yeah. what would happen is an actual official would run down from the back. The ref would do the X symbol. Uh, a referee, uh, a guy would run, a doctor would run down from the back and actually they'd kind of pause the match while he taped up the guy and stopped the blood from showing now chief i'm getting a flashback here uh, of you biking over you had a tape on you and you were like you ain't never seen anything like this okay and you were like check this out can i a guess red x yeah. a red x went across the screen you're like it's so bad they've censored it they've yeah. censored it and i think it was jake the snake roberts yes. mancho man and yes. his snake was latched that's yeah. a hard latch on the um on <laughs> macho, man's macho bicep. Man's, yeah right on his now, what are you saying? Was that was that plan? I don't, you know. No, what I'm saying is, I'm saying that snake was chowing down. Yeah, that was back in back in the era when you know when that broadcast they didn't exit probably, but uh, no, that's a future thing. But that was yeah, that, amazing. They devenomized the snake. I'm led to believe, and he had agreed yeah, but, to let it bite him on the arm. Yeah, but no one could have imagined it was going to latch on that that for that no, long. I mean, you know, wrestling is a very carny, you know, inverted comma sport. And yes, these guys would do anything, even to the extent now. And again, I don't really watch the modern product, but I I catch a bit of news news about it every now and again. And although every single sporting organization in America is shut down. The state of well. Florida has sanctioned wrestling to be an essential product, so it's letting Vince McMahon. <laughs> I saw that. It's letting Vince McMahon laugh. carry on 
doing wrestling events obviously in a no crowd arena that is just pure carnival and and they've taken a lot of heat for that i'm sure they have well that was a nice bit of wrestling talk yeah yeah other than that (laughs) talking about biceps you messaged me today and i actually did a bit of a bicep workout today and you asked me to check in with you what weights i'm pulling there and i didn't actually look i basically i've got set my barbell up and my dumbbells and i just Mm. pick them up and do the weights and i haven't even looked at what the weight is yeah my brother calls it chucking tin chucking some tin around and uh well, this is going to lead on to Letterbox, but I watched a specific film that got me thinking I might need to dust off the weights. Okay. Now, I'll leave it at that, but I, I was pretty inspired this morning. I thought, yeah, it's time to dust off the weights because I do a lot of running and I do a lot of other stuff, but it's been, it's been a long time since I've done that kind of training. I'm living yeah. modern, but I'm going to train old, Chief. Okay, nice. Uh, metal weights or plastic? Oh, no, York's. Bloody yeah. steel. Yeah, nice, nice. Steel, yeah. Cast iron, Crikey. probably. Probably not steel. Well, no, not steel, cast iron. Tin, <laughs> according to my brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing I've been doing is playing, I've been sucked into Resident Evil. If you listen to probably last week's When This Lands, Talking Joe episode, you'll have heard me and Steve Jubber talking about Resident Evil, and I've, I've thrown myself into that. And when we finish recording here, I'm, even though it's going to be past my bedtime, I'm probably going to chuck a couple of hours towards Resident Evil on the game. You're going to put a few hours in. Yeah, I'm going nice. to put, I've, I've been sucked into that game. That's good. But Resident Evil 4 is probably top 10 all time for me. So I'm working my way through them sequentially. Is this retro gaming segment? Should I be playing the music? Bloody hell. <laughs> a bit late now. Retro. Replay. It's time to game. It's time to play. Fire up the console with no delay. Man, that's tough, you'll hear us say. It's Chief and Ben with Retro Replay. Replay, replay, replay. Yeah, I'm gonna stick. I only played the first two, Chief. Um, okay. Yeah, very, very good games. Crikey! And then I sort of went a bit more into Silent Hill, which was okay. You know, if it was if it was possible, it was even more terrifying. Yes. Well, I played the Crikey. demo of Resident Evil Seven on the PS4 when it came Seven? out. Seven. Was that like a year and a half ago? Two years ago? Maybe two years ago. You didn't I played the demo, demo, and I couldn't play more than 10 minutes of it it literally no, made me crying for your mama oh i was i was a nervous wreck playing 10 minutes of the demo so how i'm gonna fare when i eventually get to number seven lord only knows but i may need some sort of emotional support well what is the plan after what are you doing all of these then yeah yeah jeez so i've got man. i've Talk got zero taking on that's I've got, mental i've only got zero one and four on the gamecube then i've got five and six on the xbox 360 I've got Code Veronica on the Dreamcast, so I need to source two These and three. These games are big. They're like a, that's a lot of hours. When's this happening? Well, no. St- on the on the Talking Joe episode, Steve Jobs told me he completed the first one in seven hours on the PlayStation recently. Well, you're like, saying that like that's. I mean, okay, that's seven hours down. Yeah, how, but how modern, many hours modern, you put into it? Well, I don't know. Modern gaming is like twenty, thirty hour game, isn't it? I don't know. Anyway, ink ribbons. How'd you save on that thing? Yep, ink ribbons. Hey, so. speaking of retro gaming, um, you'll be happy to know that I'm bidding on a lot of Road Rash twos. Yes, and I'm really trying, but I, I'm wi- I'm only willing to pay us, you know, X amount. I have no and idea. I, I'm, I'm going to suggest eight to nine quid. Well, that's what I want, but there's a lot of you know eighteen, twenty quidders happening. What? So, and I, you know, I'm only after the cart, the cartridge. Holy smokes! Also, Chief, Road Rash 3 is a thing. Never played it. Was aware of it, never played it. Similar, same. Yeah, okay. On another note, we'll uh, we'll close out this section by saying I'm desperate. I'm absolutely desperate 
for you to get a Sega Saturn. Have you stopped looking? I'm looking at yours right now. It's a fantastic <laughs> well, paperweight. <laughs> um, I will start looking again, but you know, one thing at a time. I'm not very good at multitasking, so no. at the moment I'm bidding on Road Rash. Yeah, I need someone um, to benchmark my times against. What is your ceiling price? Fifty? Yeah, but Chief, you how much can the Chief take on in his life? I mean, you got you got a Resident Evil playthrough going on. Yeah, but if you tell me, look, I'm about to load up Sega Rally and put some times in, Resident Evil is getting turned off, the Sega Saturn's getting turned on. Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, I will keep my eye out on the Sega Saturn. Okay. That was a heck of a lot of chief. I'm just trying to think of what I've been up to. <laughs> I've been shifting weights, uh, I've been working again, and we're still in lockdown. That's about it, chief. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, let's, should we move on to Letterboxd? I'd like to, yeah. I've only watched two movies this week. Yep, okay. That's the new, that's the new look chief. That's the new look chief, because I've got too much going on. So uh, I'm also going to try and put a graph out which shows our week-by-week watching to see what we're trending towards. Good Lord, this guy will not stop <laughs> piling on the jobs. <laughs> it's unreal. This guy is a worker. Yeah, well, do yeah, I've got to get a pen here. Yeah, but I, I'm saying also, percentage-wise, I probably get through about 60% of the jobs I give myself. I was going to say, if I wrote down all the jobs that I even that I know that you do, and you looked <laughs> at it on a piece of paper, I think your heart would explode. Okay, I'm, I've just written You'd down... You'd be like, that, that's too much. I've just written down graph. Also, I'll, I'll take a picture and send this, not to dwell on it, but for Resident Evil, I got a bit of paper and I started drawing maps of the, you know, when I come to a locked door and I write down what key I need to enter that door. So I've got maps drawn out on a bit of A4 paper. Anyway. What? Isn't there maps in the game, man? Yeah, there's maps in the game, but when you go to the map, it just shows the door is red. It doesn't tell you it's locked and there's a helmet emblem or a sword emblem or an armour emblem. So I'm writing it all down. So I know when I get that key, I know exactly which door I can go to. Sounds like a good idea. So anyway, the first movie I watched here was The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. And again, not to jump on, yeah. the, talking, not to jump on the Talking Joe bandwagon, 1966. But this was, this was homework that Steve Jobs gave me, S-Jobs 7, because he, he was a big fan and we were talking about it and I said I'd watch it. So I did watch it. I think I've only seen this once previously. Like you mentioned there, it's too early for you. Anything pre-Jaws is not on your radar. Nope. This is a long one. It's two hours fifty-eight. So my first thought was, "Holy Jeez. smokes! This is no cut. way. This is no way you're watching that." I could have got, I could have got two movies in for that money. I'm surprised you watched that because you are scared of a runtime. Well, anything over two hours ten? Yeah, I think two hours ten, two fifteen is probably the ceiling. The Golden Cone of Justice doesn't run further than two fifteen. But we spoke about this offline. I watched this in two sittings, and now you potentially might have a beef with this going forward. The two sitting thing, and then it becomes three sittings, and then four. I mean, I think we really should be watching them in one sitting. We are adults. Okay. Can I can I just say if it is a let's say it's a two hour forty five plus, can that be two at maximum? No yeah, three. Yeah, I, I guess two at maximum if it's two hours forty five plus. Anything below that, one sitting. You scared me the other day because you said, you know, I've got three films on the go. And I was like, what? Well, how is that possible? <laughs> and you're just like, oh, yeah, that yeah, I don't was, want that, any of that. That's an old trope where I start a movie, then start another one, then start another one, then kind of finish them a little bit at a time. Oh, that's an illness, not a trope. <laughs> uh, so anyway, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, three and a half stars. Really enjoyable. Okay, wow. Uh, that's the, probably the highest 
mark you've ever given a film that length. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I would argue. Cinematically. Because usually, runtime just makes you dislike it. Correct, yeah. Cinematically, very look, look at um, Casino. I gave that two and a half stars. I'm going to watch Good, the Bad and the Ugly every single day over Casino. Anyway, mm. then the next one I watched, watched was Snake Eyes, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. I gave that two and a half stars. Again, we spoke offline. I think I'm going to bump it up to three just for the audacity of the movie. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And I, I gave it two and a half and I bumped it up okay. because of its... So um... that, that puts me on 81 for the year, according to my diary. My list says 79, but I'm taking the diary of 81. Let's, um, let's, let's look at yours then. So you watched four this week. Yep, I watched More Rats. Yeah. So still, from when you did all those Kevin Smith films, I'm still hankering for them. Um, but they're also bloody expensive. But More Rats was like really cheap, so I bought okay. that. It was like three quid. Yep. I gave that four stars. Obviously, we've sort of discussed that already. Then we had a bank holiday Monday. We did. And on a bank holiday in the UK, yes. you have to watch a Bond film. Fact. It, I failed. Well, yeah, I don't know what I should have texted you. You probably needed a little gentle reminder. If you'd have just said, it's Bank Holiday Monday, get a Bond on, I'd have done it. I was actually going to watch two. I just had um, a feeling. I was like, I really want to watch the Dalton Bonds. Okay. So I thought I'd do The Living Daylights, 1987. S-Jub7 is a big fan of the of the, the uh, Timothy Dalton Bonds. Man, that guy's getting a yeah. lot of plugs today. Yeah, he's good, Dalton. He's he's very serious. It's good. It's almost born before born. This, yeah. It's there's no no laughs in it really at all, no zingers. It's uh, it's quite long, who's but I had the, fun um, with I had fun with it. Who's the bad guy in this? There's kind of two bad guys. There's the the sort of American general that's obsessed with studying war. Oh yeah, and, yeah, the and, fat guy. Yeah, and then there's. The other guy that he's kind of in cahoots with. Right, okay. Um, that's defecting. How long um, after? This was 1987. Yeah. So when was... It's a good 80s Bond film. When I'm, was, I'm thinking about... When was View to a Kill? Was that 85? Yeah, so Roger's last one was like 85, Okay, I and think. this was 87, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, there was no gap. The gap comes after Licence to Kill, where you didn't have a Bond until... Goldeneye, which came out in 1995. Oh, but right. I think so I'm going to do gap, all yeah, right. of the 1980s Bond films. Right. So I think that starts with... Uh, for Your Eyes uh, Only. For Your Eyes Only, yes, yeah. correct. Yeah, For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy, View to a Kill, and then the Daltons. So they've all got excellent theme tunes. Yes. This one's cracking. Yep. Um, aha. Very good. Right, then I did Snake Eyes, three stars, get to that later. Yep. Then I did... Now, look, everyone needs one of these in their back pocket. I'm calling it. This is my guilty pleasure. I love this film. It's Troy. Yeah. Troy came out in 2004, pretty much tanked. But it's a such a classic, campy, uh, swords and sandals romp. Yeah. It's very long, though, Chief. I was going to say, um, runtime? That's got to be Runtime is... Very close to three. Does it give it? Does it give it to you on this? Well, I was just trying. Uh, I pressed it. I pressed Troy. Two forty, I think. Okay. Definitely two forty. Eric Banner and Bradley Pitts. Yeah. Hector yeah. and Achilles. It's great, and I love all that. And one of my all-time faves is in it. Sean Bean. Yes. Who I just love in everything. He plays Odysseus. Right. From you know the Odyssey and stuff. It's just great. And I was watching it last night and. 
just the Aegean Sea. And I was like, oh man, I miss it. I just want to get in the ocean. Brad's obviously on, on quite good form. And I thought, oh, how old was he when he did this? And I looked yes. it up. He's 39. Wowzers. And I'm, t- I'm turning 39 in August. And I was like, I don't look like that. Which is why it's you thought, to- let's, get the, let's get the pushing tin out. Yeah. Let's get the weights out. <laughs> so, yeah. Have you seen Troy, Chief? I have seen Troy, yes. Yes. Because you, you, you quite like swords and sandals, don't you? Yeah, I like a sword and sandals, like a fantasy sorcery movie, yeah. Yeah, there's no sorcery in this. No, but, no, no um, I'm not saying it is sorcery, but I'm saying that kind of genre, yeah. either this it's historical very... or bleeding into fantasy. I don't mind that, yeah. Yeah, now I don't know if they're doing it on purpose, but the, the, the look of it is interesting where, you know, you're very aware that they are sets. Right. You know, almost pantomime in their look, but it okay. kind of all adds to it and the script the dialogue is as wooden as their swords <laughs> or spears yeah <laughs> uh peter o'toole in there okay popping up but yeah that's my guilty pleasure and that was it so that, that was puts it. So you what does that bring me up to so i can't use your diary because your diary's got 220 82 entries. it brings me up to chief but your list tells me 82 so you're one ahead but it was a slow week okay. for me. I think I'm going to go fits and start. So I might have a few weeks where I'm low. And then I might try and just blitz blitz one week to really put the shitters up you. Chief, I'm parched. I'm not going to lie. All right. Well, let's bring it forward. Let's, uh, it's time for Cola Chaos. Cola Chaos. Uh. Right, Chief. What you got, buddy? Um bit of a slow week this week and when i say slow week i mean no week and when i say no week i mean no cola no cola cola. over there no uh what i have got is a i have got a cranes cider blueberries and apples a quick shout out to ex-boss adam balskill who says uh wait a minute you told me you don't drink so i'm having a cider here boss and I did spill quite a lot of it on the floor in my loft earlier. I sent you a picture. It wasn't a pretty sight. But what's your cola? I haven't got what's, a cola either. Cola? So what? This, this segment is on its ass. It's dead in the water. Have you, oh have my you got, goodness. Have you got any kind of drink to substitute? No, I've got nothing. Now, Chief, we've really disappointed the listeners here. So we're going to have to promise next week we're going to have to do a cola party. Sure. sure. We're going to have to have a real fizz bang party. Right, well, let's blow this segment off. Okay. Let's move on. Okay, so it's time for... Raiders of the Lost Link. We're going much further than the six degrees of bacon. Linking two films and just three steps we are taking using actors, directors to get where we're going and some tenuous links to keep the game flowing. Do the steps hold up? What do you think? Now listen up, fools, it's Raiders of the Lost Link. Fantastic, Chief. Now, where did we leave off last week? It last, was Super 8, wasn't it? Last week you gave us Super 8, which I actually enjoyed more than I thought I would. And my task was to pick a movie and then link back. And I chose a movie without having any consideration to whether this could be linked back to Super 8 or not in three movies. But, you know, that's the way I roll. I was perusing Now TV and I I looked at a movie and I thought, I'll tell you what, this is is a late 90s movie. So it's in our remit kind of thing. Uh, And I've only seen this movie once. It's not got the best reviews going round but I quite fancy watching it again and that movie was Snake Eyes 1998 Nicolas Cage I'm on TV Hi Rick Santoro Hello Richard Santoro I'm Ricky and I am the king a pepperoni sausage Canadian bacon listen why don't you just get to the deluxe and save time alright look I got business call me back in five there he is watch carefully 
That seemed right to you? Kevin, that is right in so many ways. No, I mean, beautiful woman alone at a fight. A crime is about to be committed. Now listen to me, Mr. Secretary. I am telling you, you're the one that's going to be sorry. You will be a witness. And the hardest thing to spot will be the truth. I'm a homicide detective and a material witness. You can't hold 14,000 people. There's 14,000 eyewitnesses! Right, Chief, how'd you get there? So, the three movies that got me from Super 8 to Snake Eyes, the first one was The Wolf of Wall Street from Super 8. Now, how did I get there, you wonder? Now, the link is Kyle Chandler as an actor. He plays Joel's dad in Super 8, and he also plays the detective that's on DiCaprio's ass in Wolf of Wall Street. Right, the next link, I'm going from Wolf of Wall Street to Batman Returns. Wolf of Wall Street, directed by Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese is famous for casting the same actors a lot in his movies. He has casted Robert De Niro eight times. Batman Returns, directed by Tim Burton, also has that claim of of, uh, using the same actors over and over again. He has directed Depp in eight movies. So both De Niro and, uh, sorry, both Scorsese and Burton have used leading actors eight times. So that's the link between Wolf of Wall Street and Batman Returns. Okay. Then Batman Returns to Snake Eyes. And Batman Returns director Tim Burton was the director on the Superman Lives movie, which never saw the light of day. Now Nick Cage was going to play Superman, Clark Kent, and Nick Cage is also the lead actor in Snake Eyes. There we go. Well done. Bravo, Chief. Yeah, is that okay? Loved it. I mean, hey, we do it a little bit differently. I don't necessarily, you don't need the films, but hey, Chief's in his thing. He's doing it. That's great. Now, I've seen all that test footage of Nicolas Cage as Superman, and it's pretty wild. Yeah, I hear that. You've actually watched that movie, that documentary, haven't you? I still haven't watched it yet, but it's good. Yeah, worth John a, Schnepp. Worth yeah. a watch, yeah? Yeah, it's really worth a watch. The 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 test footage and stuff i mean it's yeah he looks pretty good in it but right. it all fell apart anyway when you said this movie i was i've seen this movie probably like three times but i was like where has this come from how is this even on his radar it's such a random film yeah and i was quite excited about um putting it on yeah i'm just going to give a quick rundown of numbers rotten tomato uh, critics give this 40%, viewers give it 35 which is interesting. Ooh, that's both l- lower than I expected. Yeah, Box Office Mojo tells me the budget was $73 million, which is sounds a that's lot to me. That's got to be on all the extras and stuff, I don't know. It sounds a lot to me. Uh, it only took $55 million domestically in the US, so it didn't even cover its budget in the US. Worldwide, it did $103 million, so that is not a success. It made $30 million, but that is not a success. Jeez. Okay. Um. Who? Who's the director? It's um. It's Brian De Palma. De, pa- De Palma, isn't it? So Scarface, Untouchables, and uh, Carlito's Way. Did he do? Carlito's Way, which is great. Carrie. Um. Yep. He's he's actually done a few stinkers in there as well. But um. Yeah. I can't say. I, mean, I don't think. He's an and this is sacrilege. I don't, almost don't want to say it because uh, fear of condemnation. But I've never seen Scarface. Oh, it's fantastic. I think it's I've. I've never seen Carrie. I think I've seen. Carlito's Way once and I've seen Untouchables oh, quite a few times no Scarface is an 80s stylized yeah. masterpiece I don't it's know great. why I've never seen it but maybe maybe I'll try and put that on my homework for next week 
Yeah, do it. Okay. Do it. Um, but this movie is it's quite a short one as well. It's like an hour thirty four, something like that. So it fits fits nicely. It's ninety four minutes into. Have you seen it before, Chief? I have seen it before. Yeah, I think I've seen oh, it yeah. once before. See, and... I've seen it a few times. Okay. It's a strange beast. It's kind of like a whodunit mystery, but only for the first half because the reveal of the bad guy comes very early in in this yeah. kind of genre of movie. Normally you get that near the end, but it comes very early and it's Nicolas Cage plays a cop. They're at a, a boxing match in Atlantic City and during this, the whoever it is, I'm going to get this completely wrong, is the Secretary of Defence or something like that. He gets assassinated and then Cage, who's the local AC cop, is on the case trying to find out who done it. Yes, and it's got it's quite stylized. There's a lot of long takes. Like the opening shot goes on for about fifteen minutes. Well, I think yeah, there's some suppose, cheats. Suppose, yeah, you're right. Supposedly, it's like a thirteen minute one shot, but there are some hidden yeah. cuts in there which are not discernible. Yeah. I read that beforehand, and I tried to look out for them, but I couldn't see the hidden cuts. Yeah, it's people walking in front of the frame and stuff like that, or okay. doors, doorways. But um, and there's a lot of sort of POV stuff, now isn't that... there? And it always makes me think of like Doom. No, like it makes me think of like Mega CD games, like Night Trap, and okay. it just the whole film made me think of that genre of video game where they were sort of getting bad actors to do all that stuff. It's a very, it's a very strange film on reflection, and though, like you say, those point of view, it's a film. You, you you see the guy get killed and then it's almost told from four different perspectives in flashback mode. Yeah, but they're not always exactly what happened. They no. are that and, person's And a lot of them are version. told in, uh, you know, point of view, camera, first person angles. And it's very weird, a little bit disconcerting and sometimes just looks, like you say, just looks bad and... That's kind of the charm of the movie in a way. Yeah, it totally is for me. The look of it, because I was I was researching it because I was like, this feels like it was shot on... It doesn't look like it was shot on film. It looks so sort of VHS-y or yeah. tape. And and all of the performances, they fit that kind of... I don't know, they're very B-movie. Yeah, they're very... Even though they're, good, yeah. They're, they're good actors, but I think they are being told to act in that way. Yeah, they're very B-movie um, and almost a bit ott I mean, Cage is definitely OTT, <laughs> but that's his MO in a way. But they're definitely, you know, I, Gary Sinise is a great actor, but I think you're right in that they're not acting the way they would normally act in a if it no. was a if it was an A-list big budget movie. But this was a big budget, really. But it's it's a strange and one. a big director as well. Yeah, exactly. For sure. And he, interesting. I looked this up afterwards. He co-wrote this movie. Or he wrote it full stop, and some of the script is quite bad. Maybe yeah. maybe he's not responsible for the scripting duties, but it's just some of the plot holes in it are just horrendous. But that, but I think it all fits in the cauldron of what it is, though, isn't it? It's all it's not it's not charming, but it nothing feels out of place within the context of the of the film in terms of the performances or the dialogue. Yeah, I mean, Do look, you know what I mean? there's there's one of the. You know the the crux of it is they're developing the the military developing a a defensive or offensive weapon. Yeah, and one of the people, bit. one of the women working on it, they they've been falsifying reports about the success of this weapon, and she's seen the real reports, and she she wants to be a whistleblower, and so she emails yeah. 
you know, the Secretary of Defence and he agrees to a secret drop-off point. So she's got like a, a manila brown envelope and it's all just like, this that is... Ri- very convoluted. Ridic- <laughs> this is ridiculous. But, <laughs> that you know... is bizarre. Also, Cage's character is so hard to to pin down yeah. for, for, for at least 30 minutes or until he's sort of... Until you're very aware that he is... A legitimate cop. Yeah, because at the because start... to begin with, I just felt like, oh, he's just flashing a toy badge. Yeah, and also, he's proper corrupt. He's like, really? Yeah. He's like a scumbag cop. And he, he never really redeems himself from being a scumbag. He's not like a hero, is he? No. Necessarily. But, but the scenes, it, it, it does get very B-movie when he's getting beaten up by the ex-boxing champ. And... Yeah, the way the boxing champ's in on it all. Yeah, and, you know, he's... Then you get the scene, which is really silly, where he's kind of stumbling away and his face is all beaten up. Oh, it goes on for ages. And it goes on for ages. And I don't know, I gave it, like like you, I gave it two and a half. I am going to bump it up to three just because I am quite intrigued. And Yeah, it's got I, something. I kind of, I kind of in six months want to watch it again. What makes me laugh is in, in pantomime fashion is there's lots of shots where you he's working something out in his head, which you as an audience member of gotten to a little bit before and then in the back of the shot you just see some feet and eventually (laughs) it's like is that a person and then it's you know the villain is standing there yeah Yeah, what a fascinating flick it's got a a good shot at the end where the credits are rolling and i was like what is this just some workmen it's just ending on these workmen building and then at the very, very, very end, you see the the ring in the cement. Yeah, it's like the very yeah. it's the last shot because he's kind of indicted at the end. He's you know he's been caught out. He's a hero cop because he saved the day, but then he gets indicted on these corruption charges, and he's actually going to do like eighteen months in prison or something. He's got his Corvette mm. and he's trying to hightail it away from the journos. Yeah, because he yeah he wants to be like a governor, doesn't he? Yeah, it's weird. Or mayor. It's, it's weird, man. It's. It's a it's a balls out crazy movie, but it's if you haven't seen it, it's worth a watch. So. Oh, it is! It's it's fascinating. It's bizarre, and I, I think um, yeah, for me, they it was all going great, but they didn't really ramp up that tension of the who done it thing. They they revealed the bad guy so soon. Yeah, I did actually read, and this is poor homework from me. I did actually do a little Google on Brian De Palma and saw a quote from him about why it why he did it why he chose to do it in that way and uh in typical chief fashion i've actually oh you've forgotten that yeah i've actually forgotten that yeah yeah i'd like to talk um just a really cool shot where um it's going through all the rooms in the hotel and they go up into the rafters okay, and yeah, then they yeah. go over the top and like someone's a bunch of teens are having a party yeah that was very cool yeah. i i think he was just exercise he just had some cool things that he wanted to do yeah, it seems like he's using quite a lot of different techniques in this movie, which yeah. you know we potentially haven't seen as much in other movies over the years. So you know, pretty innovative. I really liked the I liked the score, and I loved the the kind of constant thunder and lightning after yes. Yes. they'd cut back from a flashback. You know, yeah, there's lots that, of that rain scene is, going on. Yeah, that scene is great when he's sort of interrogating the boxer. That's good. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. At the bar, that's Cage. Yeah. yeah, he's good there. Yeah, but, there um, you go. There you go. So I've got to get from that to something else. Okay, I'll let you know, Chief. Yeah, actually, I found it. I found it. Uh, Brian De Palma himself responded to the criticism in an interview with Mark Cousins. There's a lot of discussion 
in Snake Eyes about why we do reveal who did it so soon. Well, the problem is that it isn't about who did it, it's a mystery about a relationship, two people, and how finding out affects their relationship. These kinds of procedural Give movies break. are extremely boring. No, I'm not buying that. No? Because it I'm is, not buying because that. the bad guy, Gary Sinise, is effectively uh, Nick Cage's best mate. And then, obviously, he ends yeah, up Yeah, but they don't, have enough, they don't have enough um, characters for it to be a murder mystery. You, you pretty much know that it's that dude from so early on. Do you reckon? Because so I, I, I had... A, I, even though I'd seen it, I'd forgot that. I'd forgot that. But, but, the si- but the signposts were there. You're right. I did, I did work out it was him before they revealed it was him. There you go. Well done, Chief. Yes. Right. Where do we go now? Well, I think we uh, put some questions to some kids. We do. We always do. Let's hear from them. Hello. Are you scared of spiders? I'm not because I went to the beach once and I held loads of spiders and it was really fun. No. Actually, it depends what type of spider. I, I don't like the big ones, like the venomous ones. Um, but yeah, I like most spiders. Ah, uh, there's a spider living in the house called Molly. Thank you. Well, there they are. It's the it's the same kids every week. <laughs> We're in, we're in lockdown. Spread. I mean, who, whose other kids are we going to get? Well, yeah. I mean, we can't just go around the streets asking kids questions. No. We get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> It's tough enough asking Um, our kids. Uh, I think now, though, it's time for the spotlight, and we may have a special guest. Back by popular demand, we've got Ben's wife, Emma. How are you? Hello. I'm good, thanks. It's nice to be back. um, Now, listen. In my house. (laughs) Yeah, in your house. Listen, last time (laughs) you were coming out of the bath. This time, is it a Mm. similar scenario? No, this time I'm coming off the back of... Hours of uh, cluster feeds. Okay. That doesn't sound as fun. No. So um, Scout is obviously here. um, And in the evening, he just feeds for about four hours off and on until he goes to sleep. Wow. So we're very much in that phase. Okay. Pretty intense. Interesting. Have you... Is that similar to the other two? Or have you blanked that from your memory so you can't compare it? Yeah, blanked all that out. Okay. You've, it's quite a gap for us. Um, so the other two are six and nine. Um, so it's almost like going going back again. Yeah. <laughs> you. So, I mean, you're more confident. So you, you obviously, you know, it all sort of comes back. But yeah, uh, diving back in. Back to the well. Um, yeah. Can I yeah, can I ask a personal question? Then. Is there? Yeah. Is is this the end, or is there always consideration for another one? Um, no, I think it's the end. Um, I think getting a bit getting a bit old now, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the third pregnancy was much harder really? than the other two. Yeah, and um, yeah, I don't know. I think no, I think I think I think this is this is the last one. Feels like feels like a third luxury baby. Okay. I feel very lucky <laughs> to have had three healthy gorgeous kids yeah, um yeah. and i think i think i think that's enough cool, now <laughs> cool was was there anything for you coming on the show this time that you specifically wanted to discuss uh, i have got a couple of questions one from a fan and one from myself so i don't know if we want to dig into them or if there is anything sp- 
specific you wanted to chat about. I know Ben has been harassing me for the last few weeks saying Emma has a massive problem with gaming chairs. Chief, <laughs> you are in a lot of trouble when she comes on the show. Yeah. I really don't like those gaming chairs. Because? I think it's because... So my background, um, I'm a, a kids and youth researcher. So a lot of that has involved going into um, homes and interviewing young people um, in their spaces. And, you know, I've been in a few <laughs> few gamer rooms, okay. te- teenagers, and um, it's often dark, a little bit smelly. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And I'm not saying that's what's going on with you, but I think that's just the association that I have of just like not moving for hours and hours and hours um, darkness. And I think I also have quite a quite a fear of, um, you know, like the Ready Player One like haptic chair yes. everyone kind of living in a digital reality and totally checking out yep. of um sort of real life i've got quite a deep fear of that genuinely coming true because let's face it it's a possibility yeah, high possibility and i think the gaming chair feels like the start of that for me yeah so i think the just to trying to dig dig myself out of a hole here the reason i got a gaming chair was kind of twofold one i was doing podcasts in the loft sitting on a small milking stool which wasn't (laughs) particularly comfortable and with the lockdown coming in i thought i'm going to have to be working from home probably in the loft so that you know if i try and work downstairs i don't have a study or any separate room i'm going to be getting harassed by the wife and the kid not that's a bad thing but when i'm trying to you know chair a meeting online it's not the best but no. so I thought I'll go up in the loft and I thought I'll get myself a comfortable chair and I'll tell you what let's get a gaming chair because I'll blame your husband because having got back into gaming I was like it'd be nice to get a chair that's maybe got some speakers on that I can pump the sound out of so that when I am gaming I can you know sit in this chair and play the game from here and it'll be a dual purpose thing now having got the chair and listeners will know what a kerfuffle that was actually getting the chair in the first place now i've got it the sound is great but the comfort level is actually not as good as uh, a non-gaming chair i potentially could have bought no that's the other reason why i don't like them don't like that comfortable no it's it it looked in the pictures and when i first sat down on it for the first 10 minutes i was like this is the one i have made the right decision you know i'm i'm, I'm the mac daddy here but then after about 20 minutes i was like wait a minute so yeah, um, I, <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let I'll let you have it. It goes. It's it's a good setting for you for recording this. Yeah. I can imagine you up there and you laugh <laughs> in it. It's good. It, it. And you know you're not a teenage boy, so no. I'll give you I'll give you a free pass there, chief. I wish I was a teenage boy if if that's anything. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm I'm still think I'm 21, but I'm clearly not. <laughs> it's but. lovely to be back uh, on this podcast. I've been listening. Um, regularly and yeah well, well done to you guys it's it's tough to stick at things and and you guys are uh, smashing it i love listening oh thank you very much that's that's very kind coming from you i think we're having fun that's the main thing you know enthusiasm and a bit of passion goes a long way i think yeah that's what i like about it it feels very like wholesome because you're both just like so into what you're talking about and obviously um having been married to Ben actually 10 years tomorrow it? it's our anniversary tomorrow well yeah 10 years well um 
he has always told me like loads of stories from like your sort of times together as kids and it feels like I don't know it's like a nice way for you guys to like um sort of um delve back into your childhood passions and and it's really it's really quite charming I yeah, think cool. to listen to bit of a time capsule bit of a yeah know, reminiscing it's, it's nice it's good it's good um I did have a, a a question came in actually that I'd like to put to you uh this up. is from fan of the show and our buddy Dave he says, uh, my question, uh, I'm going to read it out in full. I'm obviously a TV and movie fiend, but at the same time, I'm also pretty much a recluse, albeit a contented one, without a lot of real-world skills, exclamation mark. I can't wait to introduce Jack. So Jack is his his kid who's very young. Um, forgive me, Dave. I think Jack is maybe one now, I think. But he says, I can't wait to introduce him to TV and film, but want him to have more of a social life skill learning childhood than I did. So um, is there any advice on when to start introducing, you know, kids to digital media and uh, sharing digital content with parents? Ah, I love that. Um, Firstly, I would say that's very commendable to be thinking like that um, with a one-year-old. Like I always... um, think it's a good perspective to almost like want to play the long game with your kids so I think especially when they're young you can get so like I call it like get down in the weeds of parenting like you can become so sort of um obsessed with little like minute everyday functional stuff which obviously you know you need to kind of nail and get right as much as you can as well but playing the long game so having those like big goals and dreams for your kids like I want them to be to be really social or I want them to have good friendships and good relationships is always like good to be um sort of shooting for the whole time so don't sweat the small stuff play the long game so I think if he's already thinking like that he will most likely um fulfill that sort of um wish for his son um and with regards to like sharing content I don't think there is um a time to to start I think it's just whenever feels right really and obviously um the age appropriateness of whatever the franchise is or the content is plays a part there um Ben is always like a really good guide for me because obviously you know like you he's such a sort of um expert in this so he's always much better at knowing like the age appropriateness of when to kind of introduce stuff there is a really good website called common sense media as well that's quite good to check out that has good advice on like scary scenes or like what's sort of suited for different um stages and ages of kids um but i think um even with like some of the more mature mature franchises they're all very clever now in terms of getting like the younger kids on board anyway so there's ways to like access um different like fandoms for younger children like whether that's through toys or through adapted um books or online content or whatever it might be you can kind of get your kid into stuff um in a way that's like suited to their age group um and i would say that like shared shared media shared content is a really um amazing way to bond with your child like having shared interests and passions um because as a parent like playing with your child 
like it can be quite boring sometimes and like some people find it quite difficult and that's that's okay that's quite normal so having things that you also feel obviously you don't want to just push all of your interest onto your child because you want them to be an individual but finding stuff like um that you both enjoy um can make um those shared experience feel really effortless um and that you're you're both kind of um enjoying them together it can be really positive yeah no that's 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 good and a couple of points uh, first of all i just want to uh clarify that Ben is still with us, although he's not really with us because he had to quickly shoot off to soothe a crying baby. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair to he's, say. He's he's up there now. Yes. So we we started recording, and uh, <laughs> immediately the baby monitor went off. Yeah, and he's on daddy duty. <laughs> so he's, <yeah. laughs> he's gone up to try and yeah. uh, soothe. So he will he yeah. will return at some point. But um, yeah, no, some very interesting points there, and I kind of I can definitely uh, relate to some of the things about finding some play with the kid boring and that's not a negative but you know my daughter Evelyn is four and when I'm you know Louise is at work and I'm on full-time 12 hours a day daddy daycare the majority of the activities that she wants to do and engage in I'm all down for but there will be a period during the day where she wants to do something and it doesn't interest me necessarily yeah and that's the you know you just gotta I guess suck it up at certain points and say look this is not for my benefit it's for her benefit but there are certain points where it's not that interesting for the parent but that definitely needs to be a consideration yeah and I think it's important to remember you don't have to do it for a really long time for it to be meaningful to the child so um the the one that a lot of parents hate is role play. I tell you what, <laughs> I'm, I'm going like, to cut you off I here. I'm going to cut you off here because I was up in the loft working today. I came down for lunch and I saw Louise and she was like, "Oh, I can't do pretend to be anymore." Uh, Evelyn was yeah. just playing, saying, "Pretend to be a pink bunny or pretend to be, you know, a nurse." And it was yeah. the role play scenario that had just kind of broke her. I think today. Yeah, that's that can get wearing very quickly (laughs) but I think it's one of those things that like you you almost have to see it like you you don't necessarily enjoy bath time every evening or making like 3,000 snacks a day you don't necessarily enjoy those sorts of things but you would never contemplate not doing them because it's like an essential part of looking after your child and that's kind of how you have to think about play sometimes the parts that are less interesting to you it's so beneficial to connect with your child over play sometimes you're going to have a lot of fun sometimes it's going to be really bloody dull um but you kind of just need to do it as part of um you know enriching their their sort of development but you don't have to do it for ages I think that's the thing like I think parents get hung up on um you know they feel like they've got to constantly entertain and play with their kids all the time but that's that's not true and actually independent play and free play and self-discovery is so so um important for children um and 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 today in in this kind of modern world kids are actually having less and less of that type of play and that's a real issue because that's where you learn how to entertain yourself which means that you learn how to make yourself happy it's also how you learn how to take risks and how you discover failure and all those sorts of things come from um unguided play so just like the child being very sort of independent and kind of figuring things out from themselves so 
also kind of take um take comfort in the fact that if you're kind of encouraging your kid to play by themselves that's also really enriching um for them as well yeah i i actually experienced that today and evelyn does that quite a lot so she had taken herself off to her room and she had a book which was one of louise's you know robin hobb fantasy books which clearly she at four she's not able to read but she was flicking the pages and making the story up and telling it out loud to herself and if we went into the room she would put the book down and just start clapping and until you left the room when you left the room she'd pick the book up and start reading it It was a private activity for her only and even though that was kind of encroaching onto bath time it's I think it's very important to in that creative period don't curtail that or cut that off let that run its natural course and then move on to the you know the routine activity so I think it would have been detrimental to say to her at that point right come on it's bath time stop that what you're doing now because she was in her moment she was in her zone of of personal play and creativity so I think like I agree with what you're saying that's um flow isn't it so she's in she's in flow and so often we we are constantly on kind of rails aren't we um you know we're here to one club to school to the next thing to the next thing and I think that's what's been quite interesting about um what I've been learning through the community of parents that I have on Instagram um through this time um pandemic playtime we can call it has less time restrictions um, and and kind of um, children are being given more space for some free play. Some of them are being forced to do more independent play because parents are, are working. And I think there's a lot of parents, although it is, is very difficult, um, I think there's a lot of parents seeing some really positive um, benefits of their children having more freedom, having less time restrictions, not being so structured and timetabled um, in their day-to-day lives. And they're starting to see some of the benefits of um, kind of extended and open play. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you touched on it briefly there, but for those that aren't following Emma, it's the Playful Den on Instagram. It's fantastic. Go and have a look. I've been you know, touching base with it quite regularly every day and just touch on how the homeschooling's been because I know you post a lot on there about what you're doing with the kids. But for those that maybe aren't familiar, how has that been going for you, you know, as a family unit? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been all right. Um, We made a decision to opt out of um, what the school was sending. um, And and, um, that's because... Uh, I know how stressful just doing homework is. Um, The idea of doing hours and hours of schoolwork where um, I have to kind of have that that sort of teacher role um, with Phoenix, our eldest in particular, fills me with horror. (laughs) Um, This is a really like difficult, unusual time. And I think it's really important that the home is kept as kind of calm and fun and as playful as possible. So I knew that doing hours and hours of schoolwork was not going to create that kind of environment so we we're kind of freestyling and you know I'm you know fortunate because I'm, I'm a kids researcher so I know a little bit about how to kind of structure activities and and kind of do um various things so we just do back to basics, maths, maths, and some kind of literacy, literacy, and then the rest is like creative play um, yeah. and art and things like that. Um, 
and it's been working really well um, and we've stuck to it and, and we just do t- about two hours really yep. um, of kind of learning um, and then the rest is like physical activity yeah. and whatever really whatever's happening really but the kids um, have been and- the kids have been on board with it it seems yeah they have yeah i mean people like like they message me and they're like how do you get your kids to actually sit down and do this stuff like just tell them yeah <laughs> like do, like i think people forget that you're the parent yeah. you're in control and you have the power like people say oh mine just want to watch tv all day or like they just want to go on like Fortnite all day just turn it off yeah. <laughs> like you 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 are in control you have the power but certainly setting a routine for us and a schedule so we have a massive one that I drew and put up on the wall right when I knew this was happening so they know that every single morning they get up they go for a run with Ben they come back they do times tables they do a little mindfulness thing and then they do some kind of creative writing um activity um with me and then the rest of the day is pretty much whatever they want to do so it's just it's just Um, a new routine that kind of replaces school in a way exactly yeah um and I think for us, like trying to replicate like full lessons and a full school day schedule, I think we would just be like tearing each other's hair out. Um, it's too much. Like you're not a teacher, yeah. <laughs> you know. Like you're you're a parent. You're not a teacher, and your home is not a school. Um, and and a teacher, that's a, that's a really skilled profession. Um, and I think it can be really hard to, um, you know, teach your teach your kids things when when you don't naturally have that that dynamic all the time it's like you know if i don't know sometimes if, if you were going to teach your wife or partner how to drive sometimes that doesn't go so no. well it? it's a similar <laughs> it's a similar kind of thing um and homeschooling like that's a big decision to take yeah. um and people that opt into that like they are fully opting into that and most people have not opted into that so i think just don't don't try and like force it and and try and like do try and be school because I think it's just going to be stressful for everyone yeah just just a quick shout out to my mate Dave Rice who has five boys of all different ages and his wife and works in a school so she's off I'm not sure if she works five days a week but she's off at the moment out of the home so he is homeschooling five different boys of different five boys of different ages so uh kudos to you dave for doing that yeah (laughs) totally although he's almost got enough to have like i don't know like a five aside yeah (laughs) um, he's yeah he's definitely into he he would he would find a place on this podcast because he's definitely into retro and retro gaming so um i think he's 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 probably bringing the boys up in a retro manner which is which is always appreciated nice. on this podcast, but yeah, um, yeah. Join the club. I actually had a quick question from myself. Have yeah. you got any tips for me? So Evelyn is a thumb sucker. She she had a dummy early, but it kept falling out, and it was the constant cause of aggravation. So we ditched it after about two weeks. But she has taken. She has this kind of soft bunny toy that she has at night time. But when she holds the bunny, there's an automatic reaction to suck her thumb. And so whenever she's holding this, she sucks her thumb. And in in the daytime, if she's upset or she's, you know, a bit just a bit tired, she takes the bunny and thumb goes in the mouth. The dentist has said you mm. will have to make her stop sucking her thumb by the age of five. Yeah. Otherwise, she will start getting, you know. Um, the palate of the mouth will start changing shape and she might get an overbite or a lisp or the teeth will start separating so she's coming up to five in August and I'm I struggled looking online of ways to 
try to encourage a child to stop sucking their thumb, but I found almost mm. nothing. Mm. Have you got anything well, this... to help? Yeah, this is a tangent, isn't it? How are you going to link this to Transformers or whatever it is you've been talking <laughs> this about? Is just a, this is just a personal <laughs> query from the chief now. Um, yeah, that is difficult. Um, is she quite uh, responsive to, um, like, if you said to her things like, um, oh, you know, six-year-olds don't suck their thumb or like, you know, is she quite responsive to, to sort of those Yeah, those I've kind of, kind of suggested that, you know, big girls, you know, potentially don't do that. And I said to her the other day that, you know, we've got some goals for her by the time she's five and... One of them was, you know, maybe you could stop starting to start stopping sucking your thumb and yeah. not in a you will stop sucking your thumb or else. It was just a, you know, maybe. And I kind of explained it to her in terms that I thought was um, sensible and she could relate to. And she was on board with that. And I said, look, I'm not going to be cross or upset with you if it doesn't happen straight away. It's just you know, you do it at your own pace kind of thing. But I did notice her the last two days. I was in the kitchen. She was in the living room. I came in, her back was turned. She obviously had bunny and a thumb in her mouth. And as I came into the room, she quickly threw the bunny onto the sofa and took her thumb out of her mouth. Uh, So it was, she was almost fearful of what I would think if I saw that. And that made me feel a little bit bad that she would be fearful of that. But she wasn't upset or anything. She would threw it to the sofa she didn't want to let you she probably didn't want to let you exactly down. then she just engaged me in chat and oh what are we going to do now and it, there was no mm. it was she was straight into you know oh let's do something it was it wasn't that she felt sheepish or anything but she was yeah. it had obviously weighed on her mind what will daddy think if he sees me sucking my thumb yeah so when you want to get a child to do something or if you're trying to change behavior there is a few things you can do so one of them is um like positive reinforcement so basically when she's not sucking her thumb um to say oh wow like I just noticed that you know we just watched that tv show for a whole like half an hour and you didn't suck your thumb once that's really impressive or I just noticed that you cuddled bunny and like you cuddled him without sucking your thumb like that's really that's really grown up so like keep like positive reinforcement rather than like the negative side so she's 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 sensing that you're gonna maybe say something negative if if you see her doing it she's she's desperate to be a grown-up so she's now got yeah she's now got louise's handbag and she's put a load of things in it like (laughs) lipstick and rings and a and a a, a fake mobile phone and she pretends i'm going off to work now and she'll go to another room in the house oh well that's 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 a good angle so when she does that and when she's in that type of play say oh well you definitely don't suck your thumb then because you're you're a grown-up the other thing when you want to change behavior is get them to come up with the solution so I've always been an advocate of um treating kids like not like kids (laughs) in terms of like problem solving so um rather than just like trying to sort of um I don't know like overly helicopter your way through a project like um through a problem like say to them um you know look we really need to get you to stop stop sucking your thumb I really understand that it's comforting and that it's something that you're used to doing but we went to the dentist the dentist said this um and we need to fix this 
how are we going to do it? Do you have any ideas? Um, and see if she suggests something and then you've kind of given her, um, you know, some of the responsibility of solving the problem, yeah. like look at it as something that you've got to solve together. And you could like have, you know, have some fun and suggest some silly ideas like, oh, maybe we should try and wear this like silly glove for a day yeah. um, or something like that um, and try and like solve the problem together. No, that's quite cool because she loves being in control. So if mm. she comes up with the the solution or anything, she will be so chuffed with herself that I think that might stick actually. So yeah, no, that's yeah. cool. That's, that's that's cool. Well, we all, we all love being in control of our own lives, and you know, kids really aren't that different to to us really. So sometimes think figuring out how to solve these problems think about what if that was my problem how would I want someone to to help me with it yeah um I saw something interesting on one of your live live feeds the other day Emma does live Instagram uh feeds which are definitely worth checking out and it was I posted a question on there about Phoenix and bandanas about whether he (laughs) has his own and uh, uh Ben seems to have a nice collection of bandanas was so it's it's kind of a twofolded question was when you met Ben was he always into bandanas and was it something that Phoenix said oh I want to start wearing those or did Ben kind of say oh I tell you what you'd look good in a bandana yeah Ben has always worn bandanas um since I've ever known him did he wear them as a kid I don't think so no no that was definitely oh, a later he's life always, thing. he's always worn them ever since I first met him um Phoenix has been wearing them. I mean, I think we used to put them on him before he could even express an opinion on it, to be honest. (laughs) Um, But definitely, like, as he's grown older, um, I mean, I think he just thinks a bandana is like a normal... Right. (laughs) A normal sort of look um, because of growing up around um, Ben. Um, But, yeah, he, he does love a bandana as well. Yeah, yeah. But he borrows dad's, obviously. He does, yes. Um, we just have this collection. Well, Ben has a collection. <laughs> Doesn't seem to know where they've come from. Um, but yeah, they share them. So it won't be long till Scout's in one, I guess. Scout will definitely yeah, be in yeah, one. Of yeah, course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else interesting you've been up to? Well, I keep listening to the. I keep listening to the pod and. Um, you, you, you. Um, every now and again, you mention, "Oh, Ben, I need to get your missus to help me with this." Like, how's? I wanted to know how's your playtime going? Your quantification of your playtime. Yeah. Do you feel like you're making any progress? Yeah, I potentially do need your help here. So, I think I have got too many hobbies that I'm trying. I'm stretching myself too thin because, mm. like you said, quantifying is is everything to me. I have to have a spreadsheet or a list to 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 almost gauge my achievement level and Mm. it's kind of it's kind of very old school and a bit archaic in that okay fine I'm reading a load of comics I need to rank all these comics against each other to form a master list or I'm doing these movies or I made a a vow to say right I'm going to play 10 retro games this year I need to tick them all off the list and you know it's 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 it is good in a way because it gives you go, it gives me goals and something to shoot for. Yeah. But I there there probably is a negative aspect to it somewhere in there in that it's maybe taking the joy and fun out of things because I'm doing it just so I can say I've done it. Mm, yeah. 
it, do you feel like the goals that you're setting are achievable? I think at first they probably are, but maybe where I'm going wrong is that as time progresses through the year or the month or whatever the time period is, maybe I'm not adjusting the goal. So I'm taking more onto the plate, but not changing my target. So then, yes, they're not achievable. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I mean, you're you're obviously quite, are you quite um, like detail orientated? Like, are you a good planner, like at work and stuff? Uh, but that's, a, that's a very good question, because at work, I would probably say, no, I'm not a good planner. But I like to think outside of work, I am a good planner or maybe not a good planner, but I'm definitely a planner outside of work, but maybe not a good planner. Hmm. Um, <laughs> well, I think <laughs> the goals is quite fun. Like, but, but the one that you have with Ben with the film, obviously, that's like, um, you know, it's quite playful because you get to talk about it afterwards and you're having like banter while you're yeah. doing it. So there's a playfulness with it. But I don't know. I think like spontaneity is really important um, with your passions and being able to just feel like you're just doing it for the sake of it. So one of the principles of when something is play is that you're doing it just for fun. So I guess the question is like, is the is the goal setting, is that part of your fun or is that, actually taking away from you having moments of downtime that are purely just for fun yeah I think I think there's a lot of common sense in that in in that maybe some of the activities I'm doing halfway through them I'm thinking I'm not potentially enjoying it but I need to get through it because I've told myself I'll get through it so yeah so maybe I've, and and maybe you need to like just dial into your intuition a little bit more like your moods like what what you're feeling like yeah <laughs> you know like rather than sort of feeling like you've almost got homework because it's your it's your downtime it's your play so you you know you want to be just just match it to um however you're feeling yeah I think I, I think I think I potentially have reassessed slightly over the years because when for an example online gaming became a thing it I started playing it for a time and then I realized wait a minute I'm kind of spending three hours online gaming but there was no there was no goal or objective at the end of it I, I'm always thinking of the end product or the end solution or the end goal so okay, fine, I play online for three hours, but what have I actually achieved at the end of it? And I wasn't contemplating, my achievement was going online with playing with friends and having fun. All I was yeah. all I was thinking was, I haven't completed that video game where I could have been playing a single player game offline and playing it from start to finish. And then I can tick the box saying, yes, I've done that one. Yes, I've done that one. And at the time, you know, it, it may be, I wasn't seeing the bigger picture or what was actually happening to me. I was actually having fun playing those three hours of gaming online. But in my head, I was thinking I've not achieved anything. But having fun was the yeah. achievement. So it's, yeah. So, yeah, so that's that's interesting because that is also a problem with um, our kind of modern world is that we are obsessed with like attainment and output and achievement yeah, definitely and 
Uh, we don't so much celebrate the process. And I think that is actually going to be one of the potential um, shifts that comes from this period um, that we're in at the moment is that people are sort of slowing down a bit. Um, and I think when people are having connecting with those experiences, they're enjoying the process Um as much or more than the output so that particularly with things like creative play um it is all about the actual the actual experience of doing it that's where the learning and the joy and all of the kind of rich rewards that you reap comes from the doing it not the output as much as i malign her and moan at her my wife for being a minimalist she hates stuff and even she mm. would say the TV is stuff. Why do we need a TV? And she is a, a a real minimalist. She wants to get rid of everything. She's got a wardrobe that literally has two dresses, two T-shirts, one pair of shorts, you know, three pairs of socks, three pants. And that's it. She is a, a real minimalist. And part wow. of me thinks I, I would quite like to be like that because to, to be able to take away all this stuff and things that I have that I don't necessarily need but I do enjoy all these video games all these comics all these board games all these miniatures I paint all these all these things all these material possessions they do bring me joy and happiness but I could probably realistically do without half of them easily and still be as happy in my life and I think it's just making that that kind of hard decision to say what is this thing actually doing for me in my life right now? If I got rid of it, would I really notice or would I really care? And if you can say, no, I actually wouldn't, then I I think get rid of it is the answer. Yeah. Well, collecting can kind of um, sort of merge into obsession um, and it becomes less about, you know, enjoying these kind of things that you've got and more about just like you get more and more and more and sort of hunting for them but then you don't actually get to enjoy them um but maybe like if you made some space um in your um like real world and it it might give you some more space in your mind and new things might appear that you're interested in and inspired by do you know that one of ben's favorite things is um going to the tip really what and going to the charity what, shop to, uh, to hunt for uh to archive no items. to get rid oh, of stuff rid. yeah yeah we, we, we oh t- good yeah he loves it <laughs> we do we do a weekly we do about a weekly well not the, in the current climate but before all this hit we did a weekly charity shop run where we'd get rid of probably a third of evelyn's toys and that yeah. that was interesting because she doesn't have and apologies listeners this has kind of become you know uh emma playing agony aunt to chief here but um <laughs> I, i'm having it's a new feature i'm having fun so anyway I, I don't care but uh evelyn doesn't have that many toys and that's mainly because we kind of on a on a weekly or or fortnightly basis kind of go through all the things and we say look she hasn't played with this for a couple of weeks let's just put it in a bag take it to a charity shop and see what happens and see if she actually misses it and 95% of the time she doesn't actually miss it which kind of tells me that uh, you know from our point of view I can't speak to other families but she she doesn't need all those 
things and all those toys she's happy to do arts and crafts and create her own toys mm. and make up these scenarios which which is is good it's quite comforting yeah i mean undoubtedly um kids do have too much stuff but not just kids i think i think we all do um and there is a, a sort of school of thought that um having a minimalist um sort of play space um lends itself to increased imagination because ultimately you have to you have to work harder um if you've got um stripped back items to work with um you have to kind of really flex your imagination and your imagination is a bit like a muscle um in terms of like flexing it and using it and a lot of kids now will just have so much stuff and um, that they'll just go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing and a lot of that stuff will also be um from a kind of franchise that has um you know really defined characters and backstories and all that sort of stuff um which i'm not saying is bad but they might only get to play with that sort of stuff so they never really get to experience making stuff up or what I call like blank canvas play um, where you just have to invent your own worlds and your own um, characters so there's definitely um, yeah and a kind of interesting you're kind of talking more like Montessori kind of Steiner type approach where you just have stripped back objects um, that they just have to make stuff up from yeah yeah I've just sent you some pictures to your Instagram account so you can see my loft and the amount of stuff in the loft which is probably 99% of all the stuff in the loft is mine and 1% is probably Louise's and Evelyn's so uh oh I'd love to have sort out (laughs) well I said I said I'm going to do it over the bank holiday weekend and I actually didn't but that is a goal of mine to what I'm in the process of doing is I've got a couple of display cabinets with lego pre-built lego things in and I'm in the process of dismantling all those lego putting them in boxes and tidying them away maybe getting rid because 100% of the Lego in the loft is mine none of it is Evelyn's it's all mine and so I'm in the process of debating about you know can I get rid of 50% of this Lego am I ever going to build it again is she going to come to an age where she will appreciate it but in the meantime yeah and I think that is that's another thing you know I've got all these comics that I'm selling and I've got into the mindset of look I'm selling all this all this stuff now because later down the line if I ever want to get this again what's to stop me just buying it again you know I don't need it right now uh, but I might not need it in the future but if I do everything is pretty much readily available so just get it again but right now just you know get rid yeah I always think that because sometimes I think oh I should hold on to that for you know, like the baby or whatever. But then I think, oh God, am I really going to hold on to that for like eight yeah, years yeah. until it fits him or until he's ready to play with it? Um, you know, I, who knows what I'll want in, in eight years. I think like the display cabinet thing is is a good idea because I think um, like, you know, we have this retro room here yes. um, and kind of when Ben wanted to put in this uh, installation <laughs> I was like that's fine that's cool but it has to like look aesthetically on point and it has to kind of be curated in a way um that you enjoy it like I'm not just having piles and piles of stuff in here and doing that means that you actually end up like buying less so he's kind of got like all the things that he wants now um and there isn't any space really for anything else um so 
that's the kind of collection um so I think like cabinets and like you know really sort of like cherishing your pieces um almost like feels like a little mini museum um when you come in here um that's really I think that's really playful um and that's really cool but it would stress me out if he had like piles and piles of stuff yeah no de- definitely um, because you're yeah. almost picking and choosing you know the, the the prime prize possessions to put in those cabinets so it does feel like that's good because you feel like you've got more control you're you're exclusively choosing this over that so like like yeah, you say and it's, it's curated yeah. it's really special like even like where you've placed things and like how you've put them together um it all sort of like tells the story of what the objects like mean to you Definitely. and how you've collected them and it's really interesting because phoenix has done the same in his room he's got same cabinet yep. and he's like made his own collection and like the way he went about placing them and like was really important to him that he put the objects in the cabinet and like sort of moved them all around and displayed them and he like took such time in doing it and he's like so proud of it um and it's like his favorite thing and I think that was a really important lesson in like valuing objects because there's so much like throwaway culture now in terms of like you know fast fashion or or whatever um and I'm like I'm not a minimalist but I'm not um I'm not a hoarder either and I'm not like an excessive purchaser like I'll always buy I'd rather have one quality thing than like 10 cheap things um and I think that was a really good lesson actually in like how you really assign a value and meaning to your possessions and like look after them and that you know choose the things that you buy really carefully that they kind of mean something to you so you don't just constantly buy you know from for for excess and like excessive consumption yeah definitely definitely um quick question before we close out how's the skateboarding going with phoenix how's the what going how's the skateboarding going sorry cut out then again how's the uh skateboarding going oh skateboarding yeah skateboarding um is good i actually think i'm going to get myself a longboard um and i used to um skate with ben when we were first uh dating um and you know all the streets are empty at the moment um and i'm just getting a bit jealous of phoenix ripping around (laughs) on um skateboards so i'm like i'm gonna get some wheels um and i'm gonna join him but yeah he's he's great i mean he's he's peaked now he's kind of at that point where he can drop in on a ramp he can ollie um you know he can like bomb along so yeah. he it, it's 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 magical now because there's just so much more possibility yeah. dad's um, taught him all he could yeah, dad's taught him all he knows he's got nothing left to teach him <laughs> he's kind of like he's gone past him yeah. i think um yeah but it's great um yeah we're sort of really big on like passion-led parenting um and and it's been like yeah it's been really awesome to like see him stick at it um and now he's he's broke through almost like the pain barriers and he's just he's just off cool. now and he'll have that skill for That's life yeah. um which is which is awesome so once you crack something like that um in your childhood you can always he'll always be able to hop back on a board um so yeah that's, so that's a brilliant. a i want to see you on a long board and then you come on here and tell us the details of how easy it was to to get back on that board and b is it wrong if a 44 year old chief pulls his roller skates out the loft and starts roller skating around 
I think that's what you need <laughs> to sort of like break your your um you know this kind of like playtime um sort of um funk that you're yes. in. I think you need something totally spontaneous, totally unrelated to your goals, something that you can't really quantify, like just totally drop something in that's really like random and unexpected. Yeah. Get the rollerblades out. Be like, no, I'm not going to read those 20 comics this weekend. I'm just going to go rollerblade. Yeah, don't, don't <laughs> and think, then see see how it makes you yeah, feel. Don't think I won't try to quantify it though. I'll do a lap and I'll like, right, I've got to beat that time. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I'm okay with that because it'll be like different. Okay. And I reckon if you did something like that and just had a break, I reckon you'd have a new like renewed energy for your other things as well. Yeah. Okay. No, there's sound advice, sound advice. I've actually got... um quads but i'm thinking about moving nice. over to some inline skates because i think they might be easier bin lids yeah. i'm no expert i'm no expert i bought quads them. when i was in wimbledon actually around the corner from you and i i had bought them i have no idea why i bought them i think well i don't even think i don't even know why but i bought them and i tried skating on them for a while and i stacked it a couple of times and then just shelved them and rather than you know because i am a hoarder rather than chuck them away or give them to a charity shop or sell them they made their way to my next house move and i'm actually looking at them in the corner now of the loft thinking i haven't thinking i haven't put these on for like three years but i streets the streets are empty out there tomorrow i'm going to take out my camera put my quads on and take a video and stick it up on the instagram and people can laugh at me yeah, that would yeah. be great. And I'll come back on in two weeks and we can both talk about how many injuries yes, we've please. got. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> ben, has, ben has come arrived at the door and he's making like a kind of clapperboard okay. sign. I think he's saying wrap it up. like wrap okay. it up. Okay, well, this has been our Spotlight Guest segment uh, just with Chief and our special guest, Ems. Thank you so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Hopefully, like you say, you will come back and treat us with your presence again. It's always a pleasure. Uh, if the good people out there want to check out your work, which they definitely should, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm at the underscore playful underscore den. Um, and my blog is www.theplayfulden.com. Yeah, churning out the good content. Uh, it's always worth checking yeah. out, so please do that. So thanks again to Ems for coming on. If you want to check out more of my stuff, I'm on Chiefy Two Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. I'm, I don't do much on there apart from put up a daily co- cartoon strip where I chronicle the birth of my kid. Uh, it's, I did those strips in real time in the hospital. I discovered them recently, so go and check those out. And you can check out my other podcast. It's Talking Joe uh, a G.I. Joe podcast and if you want to check out this show if you're listening you probably know where we are already but if not it's The Outer Timers that's O-U-T-T-A Timers we're on Instagram and uh, Twitter so get in touch tell us what you like about the show we have been The Outer Timers and we're out of time <laughs> that was a treat to do that <laughs> oh.